Welcome to the sixth episode of the Speditorial Podcast. I am your host, Justin Ashley, Director of IEP Compliance and Content. It's a pleasure to be here. It's November. It's crazy. Time is moving by so fast. Excited about it. Thanksgiving's coming up. Friends, family, food, the best part. And then most importantly, the nap after the food, specifically turkey. Um, we have a fun, jam-packed podcast. This uh, episode, I bring in some guests, uh, Cindy Hartman and Amy Anson, help me answer some questions that I've been fielding from a lot of our special education teachers and related service providers. Uh, it was a true treat to collaborate and work with them. Um, I do want to mention, before moving forward, um, our last podcast, unfortunately, was censored. No, God, please, no! Um, such a disappointment, but hey, it happens. YouTube, I guess, found the Mesa Public Schools YouTube account and, you know, censored our material. You're brilliant. You're handsome. Videos we probably shouldn't have or didn't get uh, permission to use in the video. So we do apologize for that. However, you can still listen to the audio on um, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Anchor, Breaker. There's a whole bunch. Please listen to it. it has some really great content. Uh, and we apologize. So we'll try better. We'll do better. We didn't realize that was going to be an issue. So let's get into it. Welcome to our podcast. Our what? Our podcast, the Mesa Public Schools Special Education Speditorial Podcast. This will be like reading a newspaper, but you're not reading a newspaper because you're just listening. Listening to you drop some jokes and drop some knowledge. This will be entertainment for your ears. Now, how was that for an intro? Nailed it. I just hit the button. <laughs> oh God, this is bad. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Justin Ashley, Amy Anson, and Cindy Hartman, also known as Curly, Larry, and Mo. We are here to provide some guidance on uh, related service providers. It's kind of a dynamic trio with uh, some of the questions that we've been receiving as of recent. So, getting into it, the top five with me and my guests. The fifth question that we've been receiving is, I cannot find a related service provider in Synergy SE. What do I do? I have a tip. You ready for my tip? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> if you change the focus in Synergy SE to Mesa Public Schools, you should be able to find your related service provider. Ta -da. Ta -ta -da. Well, many of the related service providers have more than one site, and that's why sometimes it's hard to find them if you just stay in your school focus. Good explanation, Mo. And this tip will also help for all administrators that I'm are not curly. in school. You're curly. Cur You're Mo. Mo. Okay. And I'm Larry. Okay. I'm confused. We're Get all there. Way, yeah. We're all there. <laughs> Next question is, how do DD and SLI relate to each other? That's a good question. So the SLPs recently had and released to them and on the newsletter, thanks a lot, you can make me nervous. <laughs> um, 
Can you make me nervous? I don't think so. I don't know. Mm. So there's a, a guide that went out about eligibilities in SLI, and it was part of the newsletter recently. So in the previous newsletter, that link is there, and it kind of explains how um, communication skills relate to the various eligibilities we use in um, special education. In particular, DD is one where if you look back at the eligibility form, one of the domains that has to be that might be delayed and there have to be two for DD is communication. So if you have added communication as part of that DD eligibility, the services from a speech language pathologist are inherent already in that eligibility with communication being directly tied to it. Therefore, those services would go in specially designed instruction. One of the protections that that affords us is we now know that it's not just a related service and that service can't be taken away through just an IEP process. It's protected by that eligibility. So then, follow up. What happens when a DD student makes significant progress and there's only one area of need? Okay, so given the definition of DD eligibility, developmental delay requires at least two areas of delay. Students, we see it all the time, especially students who are leaving preschool and they're moving on and now while wow, they've made great progress and that's wonderful for the student, but if there's really truly only one area of need, then we need to be going back and doing a, re a review of existing data process. And we can change the eligibility um, according to there only being one area of need and the review of existing data can satisfy that need for an eval process. We do not have to have standardized testing if we have ample other data through informal means to show that there really is only one need. A lot of times the culprit for that final need is uh, the speech, speech and language services. That's the one we probably see most frequently. And then in that case we can change the eligibility to SLI. If there's any question about there being another area of need or we might want to continue to watch that student, there's nothing wrong with having another service even through consult because that's still a need that's reflected in the IEP if we're not yet ready to change that DD eligibility. Does that make sense, guys? It does. Can I, I've been getting a lot of questions on this and I think you probably have too. If it's an SLI only student and there's academic needs that are coming into question, what would be the next process for teachers to start uh, exploring? Okay, that's a big question uh, and I'll try to make it quick, but the messaging I have about that is if that SLI eligibility is for articulation only, it's kind of non-negotiable that we need to go through and formally address those other areas of concern. Articulation or fluency or voice are not a close enough tie to the other areas of academics. If, for example, though, that student has a language impairment, and let's say a year and a half ago we looked at all the academics and that student didn't qualify an SLD but those needs persist, that's an appropriate time to do as IDEA allows and add those academic services. The, the problem that I have with it is when we have an SLI student who's maybe language only and now we're adding academic services but we've never fully investigated the academic needs and part of that investigation is the slip process wherein maybe it's not a new referral but it is a new area of concern and we need to trace what's being done for that student in the classroom and how those supports have, have helped that student to this point as part of that review of existing data. In a nutshell, right Amy? In a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> it's a good explanation. Thanks. So then I've been getting a lot of emails too on OTPT um, items and one of the issues that have been popping up or questions I should say is how can an OT or PT support an IEP? And I'm gonna let Cindy explain that just a little bit. Okay, so this is a very loaded question. However, we're going to try to simplify it as best as possible. 
OT and PT services can only be a related service on an IEP. As a related service, we have to then support something that the student needs academically or within their educational environment. So if it is listed as a need on the IEP for them academically or during their educational day, OT and PT can then support that. So then the follow-up to that um, question is we've been getting some transfer-in students that have OT and PT in, uh, goals standing alone. What would be the process for that? Because I think teachers are confused. Well, why are other school districts doing it and we can't do it? But there is a reason as to why some may be doing that. Yeah, either you can correct me if I'm wrong. They're coming from out of state because they have different state guidelines, mm -hmm. or they're coming from a charter private school. Where is they that then, yes, a charter or private school? Where then a lot of the districts or charter schools write discipline specific goals as opposed to writing student oriented goals. We write goals here. In Mesa, our interpretation of IDA states that goals are written to support student need. So we don't write OT goals and PT goals because it's not an OT thing or a PT thing. It's how OT and PT can support that student within the educational environment. Mm -hmm. So that's how we write our goals. And that's why we embed our goals as opposed to having standalone goals because we're a related service because we cannot be specially designed instruction. And with that being said, Cindy is saying, you know, is a MESA thing, but it's also an ADE thing. Mm -hmm. We have some guidance that went out last week. Um, it's called the ASTAS document for occupational therapists and physical therapists. So if you want more information, please check out the news feed um, that we put out last week um, pertaining specifically to that. And then our last question with our lovely guests is, um, I had a couple teachers asking that they've been seeing struggles or deficiencies with some of their students and they want to know how to go about getting services specifically pertaining to related service providers. I'll have Curly go first and then Mo to follow up. At first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say that because I know Cindy's going to say it's Gen AZ 32. So there's a consulate request that's done for a student who already has special education. So that's the segment of students we're, ta we're talking about. We're not talking about the gen ed student. But for students who already have a, an IEP and a special education service, either of our services can be added through an IEP as a related service. And you don't have to go to a MET necessarily. Um, although I will say if you're talking about like language being a suspected area of significant concern, you may consider as you get further on down the line, looking at some informal things, actually going to a red process if you think it's going to be an, a need significant enough to change the eligibility. Right, and then for OT and PT, we do not have to go to a red or a MET process because as a related service, we are written to support what the needs are on the IEP. So as mm -hmm. teachers, if there are concerns regarding OT or PT needs that are affecting the student's ability to access their environment or su support their academics, then we can come in as through the consultation request process, which there is instructions on our forms and manuals. Is it just called forms now? Mm -hmm. Just called forms. Through the SPED site um, under H, how to, I believe. Mm -hmm. And you can read the instructions on how to complete Gen S32 and OT and PT will come in and speech can come in uh -huh. and provide a screener and then if necessary, go to an assessment to support the services that the child needs. 
And one thing that, that Gen AZ32 does is it allows us to, co to collect a parent signature for permission right. for any kind, any kind of standardized assessment that's occurring outside of a MET process. Again, OTs do not require that MET process ever. Right. SLPs don't necessarily either for a related service, but you might want to consider it depending right. on because it. as you all know, one of the times that we always need a parent signature is when we are asking for permission to test a student. Correct. Super important. Well, that was just fantastic. Thank you guys for being my guests. Anytime. I appreciate it. I know you guys are super busy with your hectic schedules with all your SLPs <laughs> and OTs and PTs, and you had to come talk to this this lovely fellow right here. Who was Mo? I forgot. You're Mo? I'm Larry. I'm Mo. Oh, Curly why Larry. I <laughs> Thank you, guys. We're back. I hope you found that session informative and useful. It's geared towards our related service providers. However, it was really useful information for our special education teachers and our school psychologists if they wanted to navigate a little bit in the related service provider field. Amy and Cindy have such a huge amount of information. I, I hope I get to collaborate with them on another podcast uh, soon. Uh, I, I, I love working with them and collaborating with them and I always learn something new. So. You two, Amy and Cindy, I appreciate you taking the time out of your hectic, hectic schedule to sit down with yours truly and really hash out some of those questions that I've been fielding from the field. Okay. The winner of the question from the last podcast, the one that got censored, unfortunately, I didn't have too many responses with the answers, probably because the video was removed, but Michelle Castillo, or Michelle Chowning. I know you go by both or one or the other. Your email's one and you go by the other or vice versa. You won. So expect a gift coming your way. The answer, or the, let's say the question first was how, what was the videos or the movies that I mentioned in the podcast. And they were The Shining. I know what you did last summer. Spooky Scary Skeletons. And It. Some of my favorite movies. Uh, I love scary movies, so that was kind of a fun little question that we put together, not specifically SPED related, but thought it was kind of fun. So congratulations, Michelle. Again, your gift will be coming soon. And for the next question for our seventh episode that's coming up, the question is, Mesa Public Schools Special Education Department was first located where? Special education. Here are your four choices to choose from. Was it a train car? School bus? House? Or the Student Services Center building? Third person that puts that answer in my inbox will be the next prize winner. I hope this was an informative podcast. I really enjoy doing them. Again, I apologize about the last video. If you weren't able to watch it, you are still able to listen to it. Again, if you're able to listen to it, please subscribe, rate, review. Appreciate all the feedback we can get. T and I have such a good time, and I mention this every podcast, but I'm gonna mention it anyway, putting these together. So I hope we're still funny. I may be funny looking, but I hope she you know, does that nose thing, or maybe into the ear this time, I don't know. So again, thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. Justin Ashley, I'm out.